0: The following programme is a presentation of Jez Sports.
1: Happy New Year everyone
0: and welcome back to Two Minute Warning. It's our first show of 2020 and Santa Wife was kind to me over the holiday season with a brand new microphone for podcasting. Isn't she nice? We're back to the top quality sound that you're used to on this podcast, and let's not waste any more time and put the equipment to good use with our first topic. While the playoffs are in full swing, there are a number of teams that are bitterly disappointed to not be there, and they've moved on from their head coaches as a result. Our first two-minute warning today is dedicated to the casualties. Our first sacking was of... Freddie Kitchens from the Cleveland Browns. Now, I think everybody saw this one coming for a long, long time. The guy really hasn't found his element as a head coach in the National Football League. There were a number of incidents across the year in which Freddie Kitchens made poor decisions. Uh, the Miles Garrett helmet swinging incident immediately jumps to mind. Uh, and there are just a lot of football-related issues that he's not really addressing he has one of the top teams or had one of the top teams in the league in terms of the personnel that are signed people like odell beckham for example and he just wasn't getting the job done with all that talent on his team so unfortunately he had to go i don't really have a problem with this one Next up was Pat Shermer being ousted from the New York Giants. And much like Freddie Kitchens, I don't have a problem with this one based on the wasting of the personnel that he had in New York. He didn't have a bad team of players, uh, but he just wasn't getting things done. There's not really much more to say about that. The New York media is very, very fierce. And if you can't pick up wins in a quick fashion in New York, you are going to be gone, I am afraid. Uh, The last one to discuss uh, took a while to happen, but Jason Garrett has finally been let go of his head coaching duties of the Dallas Cowboys. It's a case of what have you done for me lately? And the answer with Jason Garrett is not very much. He's got players like Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott on the roster. Uh, They're no slouches. They are probably some of the best players in the league. And if you're not making the playoffs with the personnel that he's got, then it's probably time to move in another direction and try out someone different. That's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys have elected to do. We'll talk a little bit later on about some of the replacements for these guys. The NFL playoffs began, as they always do, with a Saturday slate of wildcard games, and boy was this pair a doozy. In two minutes or less, let's kick off the wildcard discussion with the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Texans. What a wonderful game of American football was played between the Bills and the Texans. The first half was all Bills and went about as well as they could have hoped. Josh Allen really enjoyed himself, rushing for 42 yards, nice good chunk, and receiving a touchdown from John Brown. That's right, you heard me, receiving a touchdown. Josh Allen, unlike his counterpart Deshaun Watson, was kept clean in the first half, uh, while Watson just really couldn't get himself going, and he got sacked four times. As poor as the Texans looked in the first half, they completely found their groove in the second, dominating the Bills to the tune of 19 points. A last-ditch effort was about all the Bills did in the second half, and that brought them within field goal range. They promptly tied the score and took the game to overtime. Little did I know that the rules in overtime uh, in the NFL are slightly different than they are in the regular season. So I was settled in, even though I wanted to go to bed for hours upon hours of overtime because the game, as the referee declared, had to come to a finish. There must be a winner. Overtime itself was a back-and-forth battle, uh, really to pick up the game-winning field goal. Nobody was producing any offense worthy of a touchdown, and that was actually more exciting than I'm making it sound. The close of the game saw Watson do a Watson, Despite there being two blitzes sent by the Bills, Deshaw the managed to take hits from both, do a little jig and get out of there. He then rolled out and nailed the pass to Taiwan Jones to set up the game-winning kick. I think, really, that it would have been an injustice for the Bills to win this game. They shit the bed the entire second half and the Houston Texans thoroughly deserved to win the game. With a game like that setting the standard, There's no way that the Titans or Patriots would be able to match it, right? Wrong! Two minutes on the clock, let's go. The narrative going into this game was that it might be Tom Brady's last game in a Patriots uniform. This has been the chatter a few times, but then Brady turns up, does a Brady, lights it up, takes the Patriots all the way to the Super Bowl, and comes back for another year to the sickening chorus of smug Gloryhound Hound Patriots fans. Not so in this game though. The way the Patriots played the game was very telling. There were a few points in which Belichick showed his lack of confidence in Brady. There's absolutely no way that the Patriots of old called three running plays in a row at the goal line, just like the Pats did in late in the second quarter in this game. Brady gets at least two shots at a corner fade or a quick slant usually, but not in this game. Brady failed to connect with receivers on multiple occasions and got noticeably ticked off with his receivers in the huddle. It wasn't all on Brady though. Tennessee played a near perfect game. They made the right decisions at the right time and made very few costly mistakes. The multiple penalties from Tennessee to waste the clock and push back the punter make his life easier was a stroke of utter genius. It was right out of the Belichick playbook, and the hoodie was pissed. I'm no lip reader, but even a blind man could have made out his effing bull excrement while the camera was on him. Better still, Belichick did this himself against the Jets, and all he had to say about it then was that it was a loophole that should be closed. Karma, b***h. The Titans played it all perfectly, and they went all in on putting the game on Brady's shoulders, knowing that he couldn't do it anymore. They pushed Brady back to the one-yard line and forced him to throw an interception for the win. Incredible victory. Congratulations, Titans. With his loss, the conversation turns to Tom Brady's future. Let's take a two-minute timeout from the playoff talk to talk Tom Terrific. Tom Brady is 43, and next year, were he to return, would be his 21st year in the league. He is an unrestricted free agent, meaning that he's free to join any team that he likes. Does he want to come back to the Patriots? Probably. It's all he knows. It's the only team he's been with. Do the Patriots want him back? I'm not so convinced that they do. Robert Kraft, the owner, wants him back but he's looking at the money picture. Brady puts butts in bleachers, screwing over Brady as a giant middle finger to the fan base. Bill Belichick, though, is a savvy, competitive coach. He wants to put the Patriots in the best position to win, and he'll do what is best for that goal. And that is not Tom Brady. So, Belichick isn't on his side. He might also be without offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, who he's buddy-buddy with, if the Browns snap up Josh McDaniels for their next head coach, for example. He's also not very happy with the personnel around him. So, with all this in mind, why would he go back to the Patriots? I do think that Tom Brady plays another season somewhere, though. His ego is far too big to let his career end with that terrible playoff appearance. The last thing Brady wants is for the lasting memory of him to be that awful interception on the one-yard line and the Titans making him look like a chump. There would definitely be another team willing to take on a one-year win-now-or-else punt on TB12. Mark my words, he will be playing football somewhere next year, it just might not be in New England. Back to our wildcard rundown then, and on to Sunday's games. Would the NFC be able to pull out as entertaining a doubleheader as their AFC counterparts did? Let's find out. Short answer, nope. For those that didn't watch the game... The fact that the Vikings won should tell you everything that you need to know about the entertainment value of this game. With all due respect to the Vikings, that was the Saints' game to win. But they just didn't execute. And when I say they, I mostly mean Drew Brees. Taysom Hill was a bright spot in an otherwise mediocre Saints team. To call that dude a Swiss army knife doesn't really go far enough. There's a lot of random crap on a Swiss army knife. The only decent points the Saints put up in the first half were because of Taysom Hill. Sure, Alvin Kamara was the one who put the points literally on the board and scored the touchdown, and he finally showed up, but he was just riding on Taysom Hill's coattails, let's be perfectly honest here. Later in the half, Drew Brees was like, I could be Taysom Hill too, and he bombs a 50-yard pass of his own, but his was intercepted by Anthony Harris. The Vikings kick a few field goals, and then they put the game firmly on Dalvin Cook's shoulders. The Saints score 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, but blew any real chance to win with a Drew Brees fumble and some really questionable game management from Sean Payton. Off to overtime we go then, and the Vikings are just not going to give Brees a chance to redeem himself. A quick hit to Kyle Rudolph from Kirk Cousins gives Skull the win and their very own You Like That moment. Personally, I'm just glad that I was watching The Mars Singer on a second screen. I think I was spoilt by yesterday's wildcard games. That is, the Saturday Night AFC wildcard games. This game just did not cut the mustard. It failed to keep me engaged, I'm sorry to say. Closing out wildcard weekend, it was the turn of the Eagles and the Seahawks to be generally average. A two-minute warning then for the Battle of the Birds. (whistles) The game ended before it really began for the Philadelphia Eagles, as they lost Carson Wentz on their second play from scrimmage. But hey, it's all good, right? The Eagles can just do what they always do and fall back on the steady hand of Nick for... Oh. Yeah falling back on the steady backup money bank of Josh McCown just doesn't really have the same ring to it. I mean, I like Josh McCown, don't get me wrong. I wish he got more of a shot in Chicago when Jay Cutler was being, well, Jay Cutler, but he's not the guy to lead a playoff push against a very game Seahawks team. The first half really passed without consequence, save for a rushing touchdown from... Hashtag chunk mode, Marshawn Lynch. The whole game really passed without consequence, honestly. Russell Wilson threw a 50-yard touchdown pass to DK Metcalf, but this was fairly standard fare for this pairing, and not really much to write home about. Boredom aside, I was glad to see the Seahawks advance in the playoffs, because I think they stand a better chance of putting down the Green Bay Packers. Having both the Patriots and and the Packers ousted from the playoffs, would just be the greatest, wouldn't it? I guess that's really all I have to say about the Eagles-Seahawks. The game happened. That's about all there is to say. Stop the clock. (whistles) Alright, let's switch gears for a little bit. The XFL kicks off on February the 8th, the weekend after the Super Bowl. Much like its 2001 predecessor, the league will feature distinct rules that set it apart from the NFL. This week, the XFL announced those rules, and they are wild. With two minutes on the clock, I'll try to get through them all. And hey, I saved some time on the last topic. Maybe I'll just keep talking if I don't get it done. Okay, kickoffs first of all. Coverage teams will line up five yards apart from each other to make the kickoff safer. Touchback penalties will be enforced to give players an incentive to return kicks and make sure that we still have that potential for big games. Good start. After touchdowns, there will be no PAT. No kicks at all there. Instead, there's going to be a tiered point system that allows players to go for 1 point, 2 point or 3 points. For each, you can start on the 2 yard line, 5 yard line and the 10 yard line. So, you could potentially get nine points for a touchdown if you score and then you make a three-point conversion. Interesting. Overtime is going to be a shootout, much like a penalty shootout in soccer or hockey, and you're going to alternate attempts to score from the five-yard line. It's interesting. I quite like that. Here's a really interesting one, and there isn't much detail on it, a double forward pass will be legal in the XFL. So, instead of just having one forward pass from the quarterback, there is the potential of more than that. So, where you could use the rules to keep the quarterback in the pocket previously, because there was a certain point at which you knew he wasn't going to throw it, they can throw it forward to someone and then that person can throw it again as long as they're behind the line of scrimmage. That's absolutely crazy. There's a running clock for the game, which is going to make the game travel much, much faster. And teams only have two timeouts per half, so there's less stoppages. The play clock is only 25 seconds long. That's five seconds shorter than it is in the NFL. You only need one foot in bounds for your reception to be counted, similar to the NCAA, the college ranks. And halftime will only be 10 minutes before we get back to the game. That's a lot of differences from the NFL. I can't wait to see how this plays out on television. Let's stay outside of the NFL for another moment then and talk about another football league and some interests a little closer to home for us in the UK. Last October, the British-American Football League announced the first-ever Canadian Football League Combine. Let's put two minutes on the clock and talk about what exactly that means for British players now and in the future. First of all, this is a fantastic opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity for British players to get themselves seen by North American teams. Sure, the CFL isn't the NFL, I'm not going to lie. But scouts and coaches are watching. They're looking out for that diamond in the rough and the UK is plenty rough. More so than the NFL, the XFL are going to be watching CFL players intently. They can't really pick up players from the NFL right now. They don't have that draw, that star power that the NFL has. So they're going to be looking elsewhere for places to poach players and bring them into their Spring League. Either way, even without the NFL involved, the potential to be paid to play football in the Canadian Football League or the XFL is nothing at all to bulk at. The Combine itself takes place in Bristol on the 25th of January, and the players that impress there will move on to a second Combine that will include both American and Canadian college football players in Toronto. After the second combine, there will be a draft in which players will be chosen by CFL squads and they will get a chance to play in the 2020 season. For those that don't know, the CFL pretty much runs concurrent with the NFL. It is a winter league. British players from a diverse set of teams will be participating, from teams such as the London Warriors, Blitz, Olympians, etc., and there are already some players playing abroad for teams like the Dresden Monarchs, the Helsinki Roosters and the Dusseldorf Panthers. You can check out the full list of players in the article for this podcast on our website thejezshow.com. Please join me in wishing these guys all the best of luck in the Combine. Alright then, as we draw to our last topic of this podcast, let's get back to the NFL. Earlier in the podcast, we talked about the poor souls that aren't making it to the 2020 season, but somebody has to. This week, we got the answer for who will be filling some of those gaps. So let's take a two-minute warning, our final two-minute warning of this podcast, to talk about it. The first one we learned about was the hiring of Ron Rivera by the Washington Redskins. He had been the head coach in Carolina this year. Ron Rivera is a great coach. In Carolina, he was the victim of new ownership, wanting to put his stamp on the team. In Washington, he won't be forced to stick with Cam Newton through his decline because of the financials of the situation. All in all, this is a good hire. Next, we learned about Mike McCarthy joining the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy obviously was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers until very recently. He's taken a year out from football. It might have taken Dallas a little while to announce that they were getting rid of Jason Garrett, but far less time to announce Mike McCarthy's hiring. McCarthy wasn't really done in Green Bay. Despite a year of decline, the Packers continue to put up winning records each season. In Dallas, McCarthy won't have prima donna Aaron Rodgers to babysit and can get back to doing what he does best. That's telling football players what to do and then do it without making snide comments about it in the media. The Carolina Panthers have hired Matt Rule, who was the Baylor head coach. Rule is a programme builder. This is a hire with the long term in mind. Rule will be the man in Carolina for the next 10 to 15 years, so long as he's up to the task, that is. Given the squad that he is inheriting, with players like Christian McCaffrey in it, there is a very good chance that he will be. Finally the New York Giants have hired Joe Judge who was the Patriots special teams coordinator and recently wide receiver coach. He wasn't one of the expected hires but according to reports he blew the Giants away in interviews. As special teams coordinator he's juggled many different schemes and managed players on both sides of the ball. We'll have to see how this young Patriot does at the reins of the Giants. As of recording by the way The Cleveland Browns are the only team yet to hire a new head coach. When they do, you can bet that we will talk about it here on Two Minute Warning. But that about does it for this edition of the Two Minute Warning podcast. If you're liking what you hear, then please consider contributing to our Patreon page. You'll get early access to this podcast, and I'm also looking at adding some exclusive content for our patrons as well. Watch this space for that. Two Minute Warning will return next week with the rundown of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, as well as any other topic that should arise in the world of football between now and then. If there's something that you would like me to talk about, please send in your topics via the social media channels. You know what they are by now, and I will be happy to discuss them on a future podcast. Until next week then, enjoy the weekend's games and please join me in rooting against the Packers. Thanks for listening. Bye now.